ignition sequence start. Three, two, one. Lock and load. It's time for the gun rack with your hosts, Joey and Drew. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the gun racks, Northern Desert Institute School of Firearms Technology's official podcast. I'm Josiah. For folks, call me Joey, and with me, we have one Drew Poplin. Probably better to say that with him, we have one me, but. I've not been here in a minute. Glad to be back. And actually, we've got something very fun that we're up to this weekend. We are filming this or recording this ahead of time. But uh, Drew and I are headed down south to a national park or national military park, I think it is, which is the location of the Battle of Cowpens, which took place during the American Revolutionary War. Let's go. Let's go. I'm not overly excited just because it's so hot lately and yeah it's gonna be like 100 degrees when we go down there and it's like a pretty open battlefield so we're gonna be cooking um but we're definitely excited about that i was telling joey before we started recording the last couple days done a fair amount of research into the battle of calpins but also just the southern conflict or the southern theater during the american revolutionary war and telling joey i i think my new favorite word is the word dragoon Dragoons. Uh, and if you've watched any documentary or read anything about the american revolutionary war you'll understand why because that word pops up all the time i think people just find an excuse to say it at this point yeah. gotta uh, agree and i can't blame them really so what we're going to do today is we're going to kind of give a little context to the battle Honestly, I would love to turn this into like a three or four part series about the important battles of the Southern Campaign and the American Revolutionary War. I think that would be really fun. Yeah, yeah, because uh, we're pretty close to, um, or you know, where I used to live. There's the uh, Battle of Guilford Courthouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That's an that easy one, one. Yeah, that one's kind of connected with Battle of Calpins, and then there's also the Battle of Kings Mountain. I think it'd be cool to highlight those three battles. And since they're pretty close to where we're at. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, it'd be great to visit those and get to see in person and you know, walk that ground. I think that'd be really dope. So I think before we before we talk about the actual battle of Calpins, I kind of want to give a little a little context behind the battle. And I was dumb. I didn't make any notes for this. So I'm kind of just winging it. Yeah, um, let's go. Yeah, a so, lot of our info is going to be while we're there, obviously. Our plan here in the past is to record live with insights and, and info that we gather. So this is kind of groundwork stuff, which I'm sure you guys will will hear more of in the upcoming week. For sure. For sure. So the way I understand it, the Revolutionary War, it can kind of be divided into two different parts. You have the Northern Campaign during the early years of the war. Say like the first three years was mainly, you know, conflicts in the north. And then the following three years was mainly conflicts in the south, at least in terms of scale and importance. And you saw this change in strategy from the British, a couple reasons. One of the big ones is 
they assumed that the uh, loyalists down in the south would be more willing to join up with them and to crush the rebellion. And another thing to keep in mind is one thing the south was known for was its agriculture. You have to think that the British would see you know these different cash crops that I don't know if you've ever had a British cigarette, if you've ever been so misfortunate. Not, have how have, have you had a British cigarette? Well, it's South Africa. They, you know, imported it from Britain. They didn't really import it from the U.S. Dang. And um, I got to tell you, folks, American tobacco is better. Something about the humidity and the air just uh, just helps it roast very, very, very nice. At least, yeah. <laughs> at least compared to, uh, you know, trying to grow it in a moor or something like that. Yeah, well, where I'm sitting right now, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, was the tobacco capital of the planet for, like, a long time. This is the spot for it. I mean, we didn't grow it in Winston-Salem, obviously, but this is this is prime uh, cash crop land. Mm-hmm. So for the British being able to, like, corner that market, that was going to help their war efforts, not just here, but, you know, the various wars they were fighting because they were an empire. So... The British shifted their strategy and they decided to focus on the southern colonies. And that started off pretty darn well for them. First, they took over Savannah, Georgia, and then they ended up taking over Charleston, South Carolina. And it's at this point that going to go off in a bit of a you know, tangent. I was reading this one story about how it was during or after the Battle of Charleston, you had a force of American patriots retreating and they were being chased down. And so they just had to keep running and running. And the person doing the chasing is someone that's going to play a very big role in the actual battle of Calpins. And that is Bannister Tarleton. There is a historian that I enjoy. He makes, he actually makes YouTube videos and he calls him stereotypical Hollywood villain Bannister Tarleton. Tarleton, because <laughs> he like they slightly changed his name in the Patriot, but he's literally just the same dude. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, props to Jason Isaacs. I feel like he really uh captured the uh sniveling arrogance. Oh, he essence. did though. Like it, he was one of those villains that you're like, please, someone. No, it's iconic. Get this guy yeah. Say what you want about the rest of the movie, but bravo to Jason Isaacs. But Tarleton was this really young commander in the British Army. He was only, I think, 26 at around the time of the Battle of Calpins. And it's kind of funny because, you know, people kind of described him a little bit as a dandy. He was from Liverpool, you know, grew up pretty well off. And I tell you what, this guy was, he was ruthless. He was decisive and personal feelings about the man aside. He did do some pretty awesome stuff, especially given his age. This is not one of the awesome things, I would say, as you'll find out. So he's chasing this band of patriots and ends up meeting them at Waxhaw, Waxhaw, South Carolina. And he essentially sends a messenger boasting about like, hey, you're surrounded by um, this many guys and you know this many cavalry, this much artillery which most of it was a bluff actually he was he didn't have nearly the amount he said he did i want to say the patriots guy i think his last name was buford uh kind of called him on his bluff and it was like 
I'm going to resist until my dying breath. And Tarleton said bet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What well, commenced was the uh, massacre of Waxhaw. And I feel like with Tarleton, one of the things is he's very clever and he was an intelligent guy. But I don't know if you can say he was wise. No. Uh, yeah, I'd agree with that take. Because for as ruthless and you know, brutally effective he could be in the field, it was kind of that nature that ended up costing the British ultimately because, you know, once word about what Tarleton did, giving the order of no, uh, no quarter at Waxhaw, one, it made it a little bit harder for the loyalists to uh, defend that. And two, it gave the Patriots a rallying cry and people that were maybe sitting on the fence. It's like, oh, OK, well, yeah, obviously this guy needs to go down. What you need to remember about South Carolina was what's interesting about these battles is, you know, there's the Revolutionary War going on there. But there's also a civil war going on of itself between the Loyalists or the Tories and the Patriots. And so, you know, oftentimes you'd have your neighbor being like, oh, well, I'm going to, you know, my allegiance is with the British. And it's like, oh, well, I'm, you know, my allegiance is with the Patriot. And you, you end up fighting uh, each other. It's pretty brutal stuff. Some of the stories that have come out of that are uh, pretty nightmare inducing. Carring and feathering is uh, sounds a lot sillier than it is in practice. Yeah. H have you seen the John Adams HBO series? Yeah, that's a much closer description to what it is in real life compared to like animated iterations of it and yeah, comic yeah, iterations. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a Daffy Duck cartoon. That series scarred me as a kid, dude. Or at least that moment. Rough. Yeah, that is not a TV show that children should be watching and teachers perpetually try to get them to watch it. <laughs> Stick with Hamilton for right now, guys. So wax all happened. And then in the South, the Continental Army needed a commander. I probably should have addressed this before. But hey, again, going off of no notes and we're just freestyling this. So they needed a uh, leader in the South. Uh, they needed a commander. And Washington had someone in mind, and the Continental Congress said, hey, uh, no offense, George. Uh, no, uh, thanks. We got yeah. a guy. And their guy was Horatio Gates, who was hailed as the hero at the Battle of Saratoga, whether or not he yeah, deserved not the credit. the hero at the Battle of Saratoga. <laughs> Poor Benedict Arnold. I was about to say, actually was Benedict Arnold. I also didn't know that Daniel Morgan was at the Battle of Saratoga. Yeah, it's kind of like a highlight reel of badass revolutionary names that aren't mainstream. Very interesting piece of uh, Revolutionary War history that is overlooked. Yeah, it's like a little bit of the all-star game as far as... Uh... Yeah, kind of. And it's like the battle that, I mean, you can't really call any point in a war. This is the pivot point, but that one kind of is. And no one sweats it all that much. Listen, that hasn't stopped numerous documentaries or myself from uh, proclaiming every battle to be the turning point. <laughs> you got to do it. You got to hype it up a little bit. Yep. Um, so they chose Horatio Gates to um, oversee the Southern campaign. And we'd see how this decision would go at the Battle of Camden, Camden, South Carolina. Another thing that's important to keep in mind is that the Continental Army wasn't that 
big in of itself. They relied on a lot of help of militias. And here's the thing about militias. They are pretty prone to running away. It was a little shameful, honestly, trying to do some research about like that is that's what they do. Let me see how like North Carolinians did during you know certain battles or whatever. It's like, oh, okay, well, they <laughs> they really just it's said, not great. Yeah, they really said screw this and just bolted. And that's what happened at the Battle of Camden, which um basically the British charged. The militia bolted and it left the Connell army sort of out to dry. But it is said that militia, as they were running, they were being caught up by Horatio Gates, who was also running. Yeah, that bit they do in the Patriot where they're like, where's Horatio? General Gates. And they're like, somewhere many miles from here and like never shows up on screen is an accurate depiction of Horatio Gates at <laughs> at that battle it is miserable i actually forgot about that part of the movie yep um literally never makes it on screen yeah <laughs> it's quite fitting so after that disaster that occurred at Camden, obviously new leadership was needed and so and so washington finally got his guy in command and that was nathaniel green I was watching something, and uh, apparently Washington was like, hey, if I go down in battle and I can't fight anymore, this is the guy that I want to lead the entire the entire thing. So definitely a ringing endorsement from Washington. Anyone that runs logistics, honestly, is going to do it in terms of capability and having a deep understanding of how that organization is going to function. That's, that's just the hardest job in the world. And like, you know, especially in this war, you've seen a lot of times where the Continental Army was, you know, ready to uh, revolt. I think of uh, Valley Forge and, you know, some of these hard winters when, you know, you have these soldiers who need food, they need clothes, they need ammo. And uh, <laughs> because we were broke and we we're trying to get money from the French. Uh, there wasn't we were a lot so could... utterly beyond broke. Like <laughs> they they are they are living off of they're not even doing the mac and cheese diet. They're doing the store brand mac and cheese diet. Yeah, I you know, I used to like kind of laugh when I think about Ben Franklin during the whole war because he was just off in France and I had this image of him with like a bunch of French honeys on each arm and like we're trying to do what we can over here, but yeah. yeah. But it probably was a difficult job in terms of you know, we were constantly having to ask for money and res you know, resources like, hey, we need help, ask the French for this. Hey, well, they've already given us this. I feel bad a bit bad, you know, continually asking. And uh King Louis was actually going into debt. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Joey, thanks for touching on green's logistical capabilities and why that was important so i feel like joey do you think there's anything else important uh to add before you know we kind of get into lead up to the battle itself or no i don't think so i think that's pretty well set for uh for where we need to go tomorrow yeah uh, yeah especially if we're doing king's mountain and you know guilford courthouse and calpins all right yeah so 
What's important to know is uh, the Southern conflict was uh, very contentious. It was not going well. Militia runoff and the word dragoons. Dragoons. Uh, I should say the militia and Horatio Gates. All right, cool deal. Yeah, so we are going to go down tomorrow. Very excited for that and excited to uh, come back with uh, even more information and a great understanding after getting to literally walk the battlefield and see it for ourselves. Yeah. Um, And if you know nothing about cow pins, just a little teaser, it is one of the most impressive displays of military strategy and tactics in the whole Revolutionary War. Bit of a masterclass by Daniel Morgan, but uh, of course we'll talk about that soon. Anyway, Joey, anything you want to leave uh, the people off on? Not at all. I think we're ready to go, and I'm excited to feed into this thing. All right, sounds good. Until next time, that has been the Gun Rack. Have fun, stay safe, and we will see you at the range. We shall. Sonoran Desert Institute is an online school accredited by the DEAC. It is headquartered at 1555 West University Drive in Tempe, Arizona. For more information about how you can craft your firearms future, visit sdi.edu.